The following is a message from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Most gracious Heavenly Father, as we have a few moments this morning to meditate upon your word and especially this portion of one of the greatest psalms that is written in the Psalter. Lord, may you be with us this morning. May the meditations of my heart and the thoughts that I'm going to say, may they be pleasing to your ears. In your Son's most holy and precious name, amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned, we sang a setting of Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. And that'll be our text that we're going to look at this morning. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter for context, but I think we'll be able to just look at these eight verses and meditate upon them this morning. So Psalm 119, beginning at verse 33. Brothers and sisters, this is God's word. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Thanks be to God for his word. Brothers and sisters, what do you pray for? Given that you are halfway through your spring semester, I have a pretty good guess on what most of you are praying for around this time. Well, the Lord calls us and commands us to cast all of our cares before his throne. Many of these cares we come with our physical life. Maybe we are sick or ill in a certain way and we ask the Lord to give us healing. Maybe we're grieving and we ask the Lord to comfort us. Maybe we have no idea how we're going to get all of our projects and reading done before May 17. Brothers and sisters, these are good things for us to ask the Lord to give us. Well, in this section of Psalm 119, the psalmist is asking the Lord for specific things. And these requests aren't necessarily the things that we usually pray for. But we are being taught here that we should. These requests of the Lord should be ours as well. We need to ask the Lord to provide these things, not just for our outside of our body, but also our inside as well. And as we continue our lives through this present evil age, we need the Lord to give us the strength. We also need to give, ask the Lord for these things that befit the righteous in Christ. Requests that concern our mind, our heart, and our soul. So let's think about those things this morning. But before we dive into these requests for our mind, we need to look a little bit at the context of our stanza that we looked at of Psalm 119. Now many of you know, and you should know, that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. But it's also one of the most stylized. Every stanza begins with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the psalmist goes through all of them in order. It's an acrostic. There are a lot of words in Hebrew that start with this fifth letter, hey, which is a stanza that we're looking at this morning. 
What the psalmist does here is very interesting. He uses in seven out of the eight lines a specific Hebrew verb, the hiffle imperative. Now, if you know your Hebrew, you know why he uses the hiffle, because they start with hey. But this is the only time in the entire psalm where the psalmist uses such a specific form so often in one stanza. As I said, seven out of the eight lines. And as you know, in general, the hiffle is a causative. But with the imperative, the psalmist is then asking the Lord to cause certain changes to happen in him. Praying in this way means that we are putting our trust not in ourselves, but in God, the Holy Spirit, to make us the disciples that we are commanded to be. So first of all, requests for our mind. Now this entire psalm, the psalmist is praising the Lord, extolling him for the beauty of his word and of his law. And in the first three verses of our text, the psalmist asks the Lord to have his mind filled with the word of God. Give me understanding, teach me, lead me, are the requests the psalmist asks of the Lord. The psalmist asks the Lord to teach him concerning God's commands and his laws so that they can instruct him, they can guide him throughout his life. Sometimes even us as Christians forget about this use of God's law, don't we? That it is to guide us. It is to lead us in the paths of righteousness. We have the law read to us every Sunday morning in most churches, but then don't we try to avoid the law of God every single day of the week until the next Sunday? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And understanding what God's law says is the most wise thing that we can do. Having this wisdom from God will guide us. It will lead us. In verse 105 of this psalm, the psalmist gives those famous words, your, lamp, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Being led in the path of God's commandments means that we are aware of what God's law requires of us every single moment of every single day. We're to love God. We're also to love our neighbor. And in order to have the path of the Lord laid out before us, we need to know and understand what God's law is. We need to have understanding. That's precisely what the psalmist asked for in this psalm. Even being in seminary, studying God's word in depth, we cannot lose sight of the fact we're still disciples of Christ. We're still called by our Heavenly Father to live in a certain way. Brothers and sisters, the psalmist tells us in verse 35 that he delights in the commandments of the Lord. Do you delight in them? Do you desire to keep the statutes of God's law to the end and observe his law with your whole heart? Just as these were the desires of the psalmist, they need to be our desires as well. They aren't. We need to ask the Lord to give us these things. As verse 18 says, we are to ask the Lord to open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from his law. Brothers and sisters, this is actually good news for us. Because for those of us who have been saved by the blood of Christ, we're not under the condemnation of God's law. We can see wondrous things in it because we are not under the condemnation of God for our inability to keep the law perfectly. We can now approach the law of God out of gratitude, knowing that Christ has fulfilled it perfectly for us. 
and that everything we do is pleasing to God because of Christ. This is the understanding that comes to God's people by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. This is the first request of the righteous, to be taught, to understand, to be led by God's word. But the second request concerns our heart. Now being selfish is something that's very easy for us, isn't it? We like to keep things for ourselves. We don't like to share things with our neighbors. But when we're selfish, we don't love the Lord as we ought. We don't love our neighbor as we are commanded. When we act this way, it's because our heart loves those items more than it should. We need to have a heart changed. So we don't make these earthly idols and put them at least alongside our Lord God. This is precisely what the psalmist asked the Lord to do in verses 36 to 37. The psalmist saw himself trying to gain things selfishly, desiring worthless things. So he asked the Lord to turn his heart, to turn his heart to desire God's word, to turn his eyes away from worthless things. Now, if we're honest, I think every single one of us needs this to be our prayer to the Lord as well, doesn't it? To incline one's heart towards something means that we give loyalty to that certain thing. Maybe you have a favorite sports team or even a college or university that you root for regardless of who they're playing against. They're your team. Maybe your team played in the NCAA tournament on Monday, and you were rooting for them. In order for you to cheer for another team, something needs to happen. Perhaps you moved to another city, or your college, university, or professional team disappointed you in some way. Something that made it you can no longer be loyal to them. Well, the psalmist of Psalm 119 saw himself rooting for, cheering for worthless things, cheering for selfish gain. He needed to have his heart changed, to switch sides, to go to God's testimonies or God's word instead. But the psalmist also had the object of his desire, worthless things, in verse 37. Now the word here for worthless also has the idea of being false. These are things that look good. They promise happiness. They promise joy. But instead they bring just the opposite. They're not worth the value that we place them. We need to ask the Lord to turn our eyes away from these things. We ask, to, to ask the Lord to see life in his ways. Not in the ways that the world thinks are better. In things that rust and moth destroy. Worthless items that we seek for selfish gain. Not much has changed in 3,000 years, has it? The psalmist saw his failings in this area, and he asked the Lord to change his heart, to turn his eyes. There are other places in the Psalms that speak very beautifully of seeing God's law and his word as beautiful, and what it means to have our heart and our eyes turned away from worthless things and turning to God's law. If you have your Bibles open, turn back 100 Psalms to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Here David very beautifully expresses how his heart and his eyes have been transformed just by meditating on God's law and God's word. He paints a picture of a table, a table that contains pure gold, sweet honeycomb, and God's law, or we could even say the Bible. How many of us would run up to that table, try to stuff as much gold into our pockets, as much honeycomb into our mouths, and not give the Bible a second glance? What does David do when he runs up to that table? He goes directly to God's law. He goes directly to God's word. His heart has been changed that gold just isn't desirable. That honeycomb doesn't look sweet to him. He wants to meditate on God's word. Brothers and sisters, this is exactly what we need to ask the Lord to do to every single one of those worthless things in our lives. Things that maybe are even stumbling blocks to us as we walk in the way that the Lord has called us to walk, causing us to sin. We need to ask the Lord to turn our eyes away from those things, to have the Holy Spirit work in our heart. Listen to these words from Romans 6. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. We are to consider ourselves as being dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And sin will no longer have any dominion over us. This is the promise of God. He will incline our hearts to his testimonies. He will turn our eyes away from worthless things. As a result, we fear the Lord. And we rest in his promises for our souls. Which brings us to the final verses of the stanzas of our stanza we read concerning our soul. In the previous stanza of Psalm 119, the psalmist declares in verse 25 that my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your ways. In verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. These are the longings of the believer's heart as we live in this present evil age and in this veil of tears that God allows to come upon us. The request of the righteous given in verses 38 through 40 is that we ask the Lord to comfort our soul. We want to have God's promises confirmed to us. We ask the Lord to turn away the reproach, to turn away the disgrace that we are so afraid of. We know that we need God's righteousness to give us life. There's an interesting contrast between verses 38 and 39. In 38, the psalmist's desire is to fear the Lord. But in verse 39, he dreads or he fears the reproach of God. On one hand, the psalmist knows, fears, and trusts the Lord because of his word, because of his promises. God's promises will come true. And he is to be feared by all people because he is 
the Almighty God. But because he is the Almighty God, there's a fear of him. Because his rules and his judgments are good. The word translated in verse 39 as rules can also be translated as judgments. Knowing that God's judgments are good gives the psalmist dread because he knows that they are just and they are exact. He asks the Lord to then turn away the disgrace that he feels because of his sins. He asks the Lord to remove it. The psalmist knows that to properly fear the Lord means that he needs to rest on God's promises. Promises that God has given us that he will redeem us from sin and from guilt. Then we get to verse 40. I think we need to see that verse 40 is the second half of verse 39. And that the two are connected. The psalmist asks the Lord to turn away his reproach. But then in verse 40, he wants that dread and reproach replaced by the life and righteousness of God. This is a comfort that God gives all of his people. Finding their life in God's righteousness. As you know, in many ways, the Protestant Reformation started when Martin Luther read Romans 1 verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Luther realized that the righteousness of God is not something that he needed to earn by his own works, by his own merit. But it's a righteousness that God gives through faith. From there, the dread, reproach, curse, fear of the law of God is removed. It's turned away because it was turned upon Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law perfectly for us. We then receive his righteousness. The gospel is foreshadowed in verse 40 because our life is to be found in the God-man's righteousness. Without it, we are lost. So there's a problem with this psalm. The psalmist who penned this beautiful psalm could never fully live out the request that he asked the Lord to give him. He was still a sinner. He and we like him will only fully be described in the ways that the psalm lays out when we are in heaven. But there is one who does look like this now. One who did fulfill the psalm perfectly while he walked on earth. One who kept the ways of the Lord. Kept his statutes to the end. Who kept and observed God's law with his whole heart one who truly delighted in the path of his father's commandments, one who never had his heart inclined to selfish gain, one who had found life completely in God's ways, and his eyes were never turned to worthless things, one who feared the Lord because of his promises and the covenant that they had between them before the creation of the world. Verses 33 through 38 are very beautifully and profoundly seen in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the true writer of this psalm. But then we get to verse 39, where the psalmist asks the Lord to turn away the reproach that he dreads. Christ, too, asked something very similar of the Lord the night before his crucifixion. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The next night, Christ received the answer to his prayer. The Lord's will was done. And it caused Christ the most reproach, the most disgrace, the most dread ever experienced by a man on earth. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But on the third day after being laid into the tomb, Christ was given life. He was raised again because of the righteousness of God and his promises. Brothers and sisters, throughout our lives, we have the tendency to desire to make changes in our lives. Good changes, but maybe not the most important changes. Brothers and sisters, ask the Lord to give you by the power of the Holy Spirit these requests of the righteous. Because you are counted righteous in Jesus Christ. The true fulfillment of this psalm. Amen. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask you, we plead with you to change our mind, our heart, and our souls. As we are to be conformed more and more into the likeness of your son Jesus Christ. The one who perfectly fulfilled and embodied this psalm. Lord, we know we have many things that cause our eyes to be turned away from your law, to have our hearts inclined away from those statutes and those rules that are good for us to have. Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit, allow us to focus more and more on the goodness and the beauty of your word and in your law. And as we go forth from here, may we always be reminded of the righteousness that comes through you by faith, righteousness that was seen and your son Jesus Christ being raised again from the third day because of your promises. And it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Copyright 2013, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.